We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is my interview with the writer and director for After Yang, Koganada. Come on, Yang. What are you doing? Come on. What happened to Yang? I don't know. He shut down last night. He won't restart. Has this happened before? No. If we can't get Yang fixed, I'm not gonna buy another sibling for Mika. It is an interior core problem. I need your permission to break open the core. We've always known that some bots are equipped with spyware. You might not want this bot in your house anymore. picture uh well thank you yeah it's an honor to be on your podcast and yeah and thank you for that response that that's encouraging thank you very much um we saw the film most of us at can earlier uh last year uh but then we saw it at sundance and now it's coming uh both to theaters and also going to be uh streaming for people uh via showtime how does it feel to have kind of this slow rollout for this film and mm-hmm. gradually see more and more people uh watching the movie as opposed to it all happening at once do you do you like kind of that build up to the release uh, well, you know, it's so different from like uh, Columbus in some ways, because 
you know, uh, I made that film, you know, in three weeks and mm -hmm. cut it almost in three, you know, and then it was on Sundance and then it, it, it got released. So I only have those two experiences. Um, no, it's interesting. You know, I'm still kind of in it. I, I think you do at one point and it was delayed because of the pandemic as yeah. well. So it's like, uh, you know, it's been two years. So I'm uh, I'm so happy that it's going to be out in the world and people can love it or hate it or dismiss it or whatever. You know, you just want to film to, uh, for people to be able to, to discover it. So I'm I'm really glad that we're at, at this point. Um, and yeah, and there was something though between Cannes and Sundance. Yeah, there was some, you know, I... I yeah, yeah, I was actually able to make a, a few adjustments. You know, I talked to A24 after Cannes, and, mm -hmm. uh, and it, it did afford me a, to, a, a moment to, to improve some things. And uh, yeah, so I think looking back, I'm just so glad, you know, that uh, I had the time because uh, I'm really happy with this version. You strike me as a perfectionist, somebody who <laughs> takes uh, great care and detail with their work uh, and mm -hmm. is probably never satisfied fully uh, with, <laughs> with the work. And I think a lot of that comes through in the overall design and aesthetic of After Yang. We saw this in Columbus as well, the way that your production design really influences the mood, the themes, the characters. Um, and talking through that just a little bit here, I actually want to discuss one element in this movie that uh, something like Columbus didn't have. There's a particular visual effects sequence as we go through uh, Yang's uh, memories through the eyes of uh, Colin Farrell's character. Can you describe what it was like working in that element and what you were uh, seeking to achieve through the visual effects? Yeah, you know, I knew that it was a real unknown, uh, uh, you know, like I wrote it and I knew that I didn't want it to be navigated like a computer interface that was very uh, familiar to us and knowable. Mm -hmm. And throughout the process of even writing the script, I always wanted Yang to feel like a mystery even to me. You know, I didn't want it to feel like, oh, I, and, and, and wrote to that. And so I just knew that this memory space was going to be... Um, uh, you know, a, a mystery, like we wouldn't even know fully how it, it functions. And then the more, I, you know, I thought about it, the more I also wanted to, to have a sense of Yang's own longing for a sense of place that right. somehow even in the, even in the absorption of these memories that it was creating a, almost a spatial environment that, that, you know, uh, and that started to get very exciting, you know, the, mm -hmm. that, that both of those elements. And I worked with this incredible, um, uh, designer, um, Raul Marx, who I knew, uh, uh, years ago, we were sort of mutual admirers of, of works that we were putting out shorter works. Um, and yeah, and he just did this lovely job of, of sort of translating that. And, um, yeah, so that was a real surprise because, you know, uh, it's not as if I sketched out, this is exactly how it's going to be. I just knew that, um, I wanted to have those elements of, of the unknown, uh, but also mm -hmm. something that was spatial and organic. So, I, you know, I've seen a lot of films, uh, a lot of sci-fi films made on this kind of scale and budget that talks about themes of what it means to be human. But to me, after Yang is going with for something a little bit more specific as it pertains to Asian identity. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the separation of that. And was that something that was uh, deliberate in what you were looking to explore through the screenplay, because I found it to be just such a unique entry point into a genre that, you know, can feel quite familiar at times. 
Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I think those films that, uh, and, and there are a lot, you know, that sort of Pinocchio theme of like uh, something artificial wanting to be human uh, has existed. And there's a reason why that, that feels meaningful. So I don't want to dismiss that. But mm-hmm. I had always, you know, I, you know, when Ada says, uh, that's such a human question, you know, because we just have this assumption and, you know, being human is hard, you know, and not only is it hard, uh, the existential element of being human of like, why are we here? And, and, it, you know, it, it is this uh, question that I've always, you know, sort of struggled with. Um, and I just thought, you know, when it comes to something like AI, they don't have to ask that question. You know, they know their origin story and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, and maybe we imagine that they, they want to be liberated from it, but I just thought I wanted to, the other greater tension for me when I was uh, both reading it and adapting it, because, you know, the author is an Asian, but he had written this story and and I love the author and wrote it very sensitively. But Mm -hmm. I just thought as an Asian filmmaker adapting it, it was very interesting to me that Yang uh, was manufactured to be Asian. Mm -hmm. And, and in that strange way, I I related to that, you know, like, because I, uh, most of my life has been in America, and there is this construct of Asianness that um, that I feel, even in my own identity. Um, you know, I'm asking that question of what it means to be Asian, and when you ask that question outside mm-hmm. of your country, and maybe even inside the country, you have to deal with this sort of presentation of Asianness, this this perception of Asianness. And that was a fascinating question, you know, for me, and and something that was surprisingly. Um, uh, relatable. Uh, yeah. And so that longing that, uh, that Yang has to, Mm -hmm. to understand this thing that he was built for, and that is the one thing that, you know, he, he has to, um, offer, uh, his, any younger sibling. Um, yeah, I just, it it was very engaging, you know, and it it has even now, you know, it, it has helped me think through my, my own struggles. Nice. I really love that. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There is a element to the film that uh, deals in a little bit of a conspiracy uh, subplot that uh, Colin Farrell's character is uh, traveling down and just when you think it's going to lead to something you actually kind of sidetrack and you explore the deeper meaning of what the movie is about emotionally and i really loved that because it hit me on a level that i was not expecting and so in talking through something like that was it uh, a deliberate uh, choice on your part to 
not necessarily go down that road? Was there another element to it where you did go down that road in the screenwriting phase and explore that fervor? Like, what decisions did you make as a storyteller to really hammer home uh, that emotional connection of the story for the audience? Yeah, um, no, I never, I never thought of going down the path where Yang was, in fact, you know, spying it. But, but I did also know it's complicated, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, you know, that he is recording, you know, in the, you know, and and spyware is a real, like, I don't, I don't look at that in an innocuous way in our society. You know, I, right. I feel like very much that that's an issue, and uh, and you know, you do hear this idea that that was outlawed, and so I think that those are real issues. Um, but I never thought, you know, I, I thought there was some greater um, element about that in, in regard to memory or what was passing by or really the choices that Yang makes to uh, of what to record, you know, because it could have been very disturbing. You know, Yang could mm-hmm. have decided. And and so without changing anything, if the series of memories that he encounters feel very invasive in, in a way that's disturbing, that could exist. So I like that tension. You know, I mm-hmm. like that tension that we have to kind of um, think of that as a possibility um, before we we really um, engage who Yang was. And I, and I think that was nice for the character of Jake, too, to both have. Because, you know, J- I think what I like, Jake isn't trying to you know, um, he's not the hero trying to fix Yang. You know, when we meet him, he's a little bit disconnected and lost. And I think the idea of fixing Yang is a bit of a chore to him, like us having to be responsible to fix our car or our computer. It's just sure. like okay. a burden. Yeah. And I and I like the idea then that it's also built on, then he might even feel negative, like, oh, this, you know, but it really is that Yang ends up in its own way, fixing Jake, you know, that, that, that his, this, this looking into the, the memories of Yang and, and seeing what is passing by, uh, um, Jake as, as he's sort of drifting through these, uh, early years of, of, of Mika. Um, yeah, that was more interesting to me, you know, that, that sort of turned there. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. I mean, I wouldn't have mind if it went down like a thriller like, aspect, but at the same time, <laughs> yeah. what you did was beautiful. It was moving and yeah. it really thank affected you. me on a, on a really profound level. So thank you for that. Um, yeah. Kind of sidestepping uh, that element though. Talk about this opening dance sequence, please. I want to know how <laughs> many takes did it take to get that right? Um, yeah. Where did the idea come from? Because it is just so creative so much fun i love that the movie uh starts with that yeah thank you uh yeah you know i had written it into the script and it was sort of a delight to even think about the film starting that way um yeah you know there was just some moment when i was writing the intro that i just thought um i want to see all of these families in sync before you know before things begin to unravel a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- the idea of literally seeing them in sync uh, and just suspending it as a credit sequence was really exciting for me. And then once I thought about it that way, I thought about this uh, martial arts film that I saw when I was maybe uh, nine or seven or nine. Uh, and I only saw, saw it once, but it has st- it stayed with me. You know, uh, I got a copy of it when I was in college, like a VHS copy of it, but it's called The Kid with the Golden Arms. It's like a mm-hmm. Shaw Brothers film. And they had this suspended sequence where everyone's doing their special uh, uh, martial arts technique. Uh, so, uh, so then I thought, oh, I want to you know do something in that way. And then we had this incredible Celia Ralston Hall choreographer who built the dance, and you know she only had like a few days to try to 
get every one of the actors uh, to understand the dance. Um, so she made videos. She has uh, they could come into her studio, and then all the other fam- the family members that weren't a part of the film were like dancers uh, uh, in her studio. Uh, and then we took a, a, a long day to to uh, to shoot all the all the families. Um, yeah, and then and then the the main family did it twice because we also shot them doing it in the, the house, you know, later. So uh, yeah, yeah, it was a really it was a great way. It was at the very beginning of the filmmaking too, and especially for the family, Jody, because of some difficulties uh, with a, a, another actor that we had cast. By difficulties, I mean that she she couldn't get to America because there were border issues back then. Mm, um, yeah. Jody was a a very last minute hire and she was really a gift for our production, but that was the first thing she did. We were already in production and then she suddenly got incorporated to the family. And what was amazing about it is that dance really like turned them into a family because they were just like, you know, struggling and, and, and trying to get through it. And by the time they did it perfectly, you know, they were giving each other high fives and it was really like a a unifying way to begin uh, the story of that family. I, I really love hearing about that. And uh, yeah, I think Jody was a great addition overall. Um, last question. Uh, at the end of the film, can you tell me a little bit about where you think Jake is mentally? Mm. Oh, that's a, that's a, I've never, no, no one has asked that. Um, you know, in the same way that I've, I, I, I have kept Yang and I, I, this is the kind of way I write, you know, where I don't uh, know, I, I keep my characters to be uh, like some someone that I, I want to explore, you know. So I I, uh, I always wanted Yang to be a mystery, and 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 it's not just Yang, but it's probably true for all the characters. And Jake throughout this uh, script, you know, I would say, you know, that he has you know a particular expression, and I don't write that a lot, you know, like what their expression is, but I would often right like and we don't know whether what what he's feeling so that was up to you know uh colin uh to answer that if he wanted to and and um but yeah i mean i think at the end um you know i don't know but it it, it certainly feels as if he is reconnected with the family and maybe even reconnected with his uh a a deeper sense of meaning you know Mm um and 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 has has caught up to grief i think the thing that i loved about this story is, you know, if it was a real son who died or was sick, we all know that story. Mm-hmm. But for us to posit that this almost appliance, this AI that is just that they bought to help their child is malfunctioning, um, grief. And the way we told the story, it's not as if like halfway through, uh, we then had Yang malfunction so that we were already all emotionally attached to him. You know, we sort of just start out that way. And and um, yeah, and so I, I just sort of love the, the idea that sometimes you have to catch up to grief. Sometimes you have to care enough that you realize you've lost something. Yeah. And I think that there's some element of him catching up to uh to, to caring again, you know, because I think as long as you are disconnected and detached, you also don't get feel hurt, you know, mm-hmm. it protects you from um, emotion. And there's, there's a sense in which by the end, he is sensitized again to his family, to his daughter, to life. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Koganada, thank you so, so much for your time today and talking about After yeah. Gang. I'm a huge fan of your work. I also love yeah. the video essays and the work you've done with Criterion Collection. I'm hoping for that Columbus uh, Criterion Blu-ray at some point. <laughs> so please, yeah, yeah. 
please make that happen. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah. best of luck and all the success in the world to you um, with After Yang and everything else you do in the future. Thank you so much. It's a real pleasure and uh, yeah, and a pleasure to connect with you and uh, your publication and, and podcasting. Thank you so much. Have a nice day. All right. Take care. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with the writer and director for After Yang, Koganada, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. After Yang is currently playing in theaters and available to stream on Showtime. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.